0: What's going on, FCS football fans, and welcome to the FCS Opening Drive podcast, presented by Football Game Plan and the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I am David Hassagen. With me, as always, the czar of the playbook,
1: Emery Hunt. Emery, good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. How are you doing this fine Tuesday morning?
0: Well, we may be a day late, but we will not be a dollar short this time around. Our apologies to Craig Haley, who's now our, officially our de- complaints department. <laughs> <laughs> After yesterday, it was a busy Monday morning. A lot to get to, so we're recording this on a Tuesday, and it will be up on the Tuesday, so you don't have to worry about that. Folks, it was another wild and wacky week in the FCS as we go through our Week 5 preview. We'll talk about where we were in Week 4, some of the big games that we have to offer, some game balls, of course. We'll go through the Top 25. Not too much movement in the Top 25 this week on the national poll scene, but we'll certainly go into ours and uh, see where we disagree. We'll have our buy or sell, and then, of course, we will talk about the big games coming up for Week Five in the FCS. But let's start out with where we were this week. Emery, uh, usually you're the one double dipping, but it was me this week. But you had an interesting ball
1: game in the uh, Division II level out here in Pennsylvania. Uh, tell us about that one. Well, I was on a broadcast for Westchester Seton Hill, and it was you know a great game. I love how Westchester always comes out and support their supports their football team. Uh, packed house, and uh, Westchester was able to get the victory.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was uh, certainly, the PSAC is an underrated conference for sure. It's one of the power conferences in D2. Um, I I became fully immersed in Long Island this week. Uh, Far too fully immersed, some would say. But um, I was at two games this week, actually. I was at LIU taking on Sacred Heart. Um, Really good game for Sacred Heart. This is a team that I think is actually going to improve greatly in the NEC. For me, I think they're one of the top teams in that conference now. Uh, really had a phenomenal performance. The Sharks, offensively, they're getting up to speed pretty quickly. Defensively, it's taken a little while, so uh, Sacred Heart pulled out the win 34-10, 21 points in the second quarter um, of that one. And then I was out at Stony Brook as they took on Fordham. Good first half for Fordham. They actually held their own, but eventually Stony Brook found their way through. Uh, not really a contest in the second half. And... Uh, Stony Brook with the big win 45 to 10. I'd like to thank both of those schools for their hospitality uh, going out that way. Let's talk about some of the other action though, Emory, from week five. We have to start with our stats game of the week from last week. UC Davis at North Dakota State up in the dome. Usually people, no matter what the ranking, don't have much success up in North Dakota. But UC Davis gave the Bison a fight. But North Dakota State
1: prevails 27 to 16. Really good ball game. Yeah, really good ball game. And it was nip and tuck throughout the entire contest. And you saw Jake Meyer do a great job of, of trying to push his team toward the upset victory. You know, they had a lead in that ball game. It looked as though they were going to try to take over as the fourth quarter began. But North Dakota State proved that they are, you know, championship caliber, have that championship resolve. And their defense did a great job of turning the ball over. So impressive display for their defense when their offense wasn't the story of the day. And I thought North Dakota State just showed that day uh, in that game, that hey we could win in many different ways, than they did against UC Davis.
0: UC Davis, though, they certainly show that I think if they that's a matchup in the playoffs, that could be an interesting one. They show, they show they could at least compete with North Dakota State. Some of the other top ranked teams that have gone there really haven't done anything. So hopefully we can uh, we'll see that matchup again in the playoffs. It was a good game. Let's move on to the big upset of the week: Eastern Washington, another team. Just when you think you've got them figured out. Something goes terribly, terribly wrong. They get beaten by Idaho 35 27. They came back nicely in the second half at halftime. This one was over.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. You thought, wow, you you see the scoreboard, you see the ticker as you're doing a game. You're like, man, what the hell is going on with Eastern Washington? They didn't even show up until the second half. By that time, you'd allowed Idaho to, to build momentum, to build a huge lead. Now they're playing with confidence. And what a big win! Ah, uh, for the Idaho Vandals knocking out Eastern Washington, and and that was a huge loss for the Eagles. And now it puts Idaho in a in a good conversation for hey, maybe this is a team that could be that fly in the ointment, or maybe push for that large bit in the playoffs. This was a big win because you you expect Eastern Washington to, to turn things around and and get back on the right track and somehow someway end up seven and four and, and be in the conversation. So as long as they keep winning from this point forward for both teams. I think it bodes well for Idaho.
0: It certainly does. And the Big Sky, we always talk about this. It's a really weird, like, it's a conference where anybody can beat anybody. Uh, You've looked at, you know, Sacramento State has been tremendous this year. Northern Arizona's back on top. But only a couple years ago, Southern Utah's right in the mix. So certainly it's a a conference where anything can happen and usually does. Uh, Let's move back now to the East Coast. What was one of the best games of the weekend in the CAA? Number 18, Villanova taking on number 5, Towson. Back and forth ball game offense all day long. It goes to overtime, and Villanova pulls the upset 52 45. Villanova quickly shooting up people's top 25s.
1: As they should have been, because they were in my top 10 last week. This is a team defensively that has championship caliber defense. Offensively, they're getting great play from Daniel Smith, who was a transfer coming over from Campbell, doing a great job with that offense. They're playing complimentary football. It's a dangerous team down there in Villanova.
0: And the team that we've talked again, again, this is a team we've talked about the last few years. If they're healthy, they're right there. They haven't been healthy for a good two or three years. They finally are putting things together. They're going to make a power in the CAA. Again, CAA, I think, is the strongest conference top to bottom by far this year. It's not even close. What is it, seven teams, I think, in the top 25? Six or seven teams? It's absolutely crazy now. Uh, but certainly Villanova and Towson, both of them, are teams that you can consider in the highest echelon uh, for 2019. Let's move to another interesting game in the Northeast. The former coach returns with his alma mater to take on his former team. And Coach Perry gets the win. Brown, 35-30 over Bryant. A really good ball game, but that's got to be so sweet for his first game in charge of his alma mater.
1: Yeah, that was a great game. A uh, great way to, to you know go back and forth with a team that you know very well. So a lot of people... Shouldn't have been surprised by that score because, again, he was just there. But, you you know, Bryant was going to come ready to play, trying to prove that they were, you know, a good team and, and they had offense. And I've seen them play live against Stony Brook defensively they do a great job offensively. They were kind of inconsistent against the Seawolves, but their offense put up 30 points. So I was excited to see how this game was going to play out. But great job by Brown getting the win. And we'll talk to, about Brown's
0: quarterback as well later on, or at least I will in the game ball second, because he had a hell of a game. One last game to talk about here, Southeast Louisiana, number 21 going into this game, taking on Lamar. I mentioned Southeast Louisiana was going to be a possible dark horse team to make the playoffs out of the Southland this year because it's such a, it's such a tightly packed conference, and they get a
1: nice win over Lamar, a
0: playoff team from last season, 45-34. This is a big, big win for Southeast
1: Louisiana. Chase and Virgil has been playing some great football quietly all season on their quarterback. He threw four touchdowns in that ball game, no turnovers. And he just liked how we've seen Southeast Louisiana, Southeastern Louisiana, win multiple ways on offense, they can grind it out on the ground. They can play close games. They can put up points if they need to. So I'm excited to see how they can continue to build moving forward because they're two and one on the season. The Southland seems to be up for grabs. Now there's no front runner per se in this conference. So it's a, Great opportunity for the Lions to not only get into the playoffs but win the conference outright.
0: It's going to be an interesting one for sure. The Southland is again so many conferences this year are just wide open except for the Missouri Valley. It seems like the only one that's really not up for grabs. Let's get into our game balls memories, and I mentioned that we I had to start with Brown and quarterback EJ Perry because he had a phenomenal game, accounted for five touchdowns, 21 of 32 for 183, and three scores through the air. 18 carries, 227, and two touchdowns on the ground. What is he? Is, is he a triple option quarterback? What What's going on here? Why is he running for 227? But a great game for E.J. Perry. If he can do that in conference, all of a sudden, Brown is a factor in the Ivy League for
1: 2019. Yeah, he had a 93-yard touchdown run. That's just amazing. That shows speed, <laughs> endurance, and everything. It was just outstanding display on both sides. Three touchdown passes, two touchdowns rushing. Uh, outstanding for him. I'm going to go with Malik Flowers with a 100-yard kickoff return for Montana. And yes. the reason why I went with that one, that was a huge part of the game because Montana scored first. Mammoth drove all the way down the field, got the touchdown. So it looked as though, okay, this was going to be a back-and-forth affair. Mammoth got the momentum. And then, boom, right after that, Flowers goes all the way back for a touchdown. That took a lot of the air out of the mammoth sales. Monmouth, uh, Montana went on to roll in a big win because I thought that was going to be a game. Where Mammoth had an opportunity to win, but good job by Flowers making a play on special teams that helped springboard this Grizzlies football team to get them to wake up and take control of that game.
0: State of Montana all of a sudden is becoming a power player again in the FCS. My next one I'm going to go with Nathan Stewart, the wide receiver from Sam Houston State. Uh, Nine receptions for 187 and three touchdowns. He also became the all-time career leader in receiving yards from a Southland. So congratulations to Nathan Stewart on that achievement, but another tremendous game for him and the Sam Houston State offense.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to go with Bailey Fisher of Tennessee Tech, who has quietly put together a strong start to their season, the Golden Eagles. Bailey Fisher went through for 314 yards, two touchdowns, and contributed to 90 rushing yards and three touchdowns on the ground. So great job, great win for the Golden Eagles. And like I said before, they are off to an impressive start.
0: I got to go with a combo of backs here for my next one, and that's two running backs from Kennesaw State. And I, I think you'll like these uh, these numbers here, Emory Beaming, a former running back yourself. Um, Isaac Foster, eight carries, 183 yards and two touchdowns. Bronson Rechsteiner, 10 carries, 221 yards and a touchdown. So let's do the math. 404 yards, 18 carries. Not bad when your two, top two running backs are averaging 22 yards a, a play an outstanding game for Kennesaw which saw them shoot up the top 25 rankings and they're just clicking
1: on all cylinders again. Yeah, that was just an outstanding day on the ground and as expected, it's a triple option offense, but when you see those numbers laid out like that, it just (laughs) makes it ridiculous. 22 yards a carry between the two of them. (laughs) Are you kidding me? By goodness. I mean, and I don't have any defensive game balls for shutouts because there weren't any shutouts. There weren't any shutouts. This weekend. So, a lot of teams only scored like six and seven points, but no one got shut out. So, shout out to the offenses for yeah. avoiding the goose egg on the scoreboard.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It's about time we reward offense for, you know, doing their jobs. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> right. uh, one more I'm going to give away here, and that's to um, Andrew Edgar, wide receiver from Illinois State. A lot of big pieces on this Illinois State offense that have gotten a lot of national attention, senior bowl watch list and whatnot. But Andrew Eicher, great game last week. 12 receptions for 228 yards and two touchdowns. So that's my last game ball. It's going to him. Again, folks, this is the FCS Opening Drive Podcast. This is our Week 5 preview. If you want to listen back to any of the other previews and reviews from the previous weeks go to soundcloud or itunes and search for football game plan in the podcast section subscribe while you're there so you don't miss any football game plan content and of course give us that five star rating if you're enjoying what you're hearing or if you're not enjoying what you're hearing tell us what we can do better we are willing to change uh let's get into our top 25s emery this is the weird part now that we're doing this on a tuesday today we actually have the stats rankings up ready to go so usually we're doing this very early on a monday morning the rankings come out at about noon or so on Monday afternoon, so you are usually a little bit ahead of uh, all the calculations and that sort of thing, but we actually have them with us today so we can actually compare ours to the rest of the nations. So, Emery, what is your top 25 looking like? What's your top 10?
1: All right. My top 10 is North Dakota State, James Madison, South Dakota State, Villanova, Montana State, Kennesaw, UC Davis, Towson. Illinois State and Youngstown State. Youngstown State up there very, very highly.
0: Um, my top ten is is very similar. I got North Dakota State, JMU, South Dakota State, Weber in at number four. I've got Montana State at number five. I think they are having a very, very good year. The Brawl of the Wild this year is going to be excellent. Uh, Towson at number six. I got Kennesaw at seven. Jacksonville State at number eight. Maine at nine. And Nichols at 10. I think, again, Nichols is an underrated team. They've got the offensive firepower. I've got them at the number 10 spot.
1: Yeah, I see we agree on Montana State being in the top five. Uh, like you said, a really good year out there for the Bobcats doing a great job. Um, Villanova, I'm, I'm very high on right now. And I, I just think that they're going to slowly creep up toward that number two spot before it's all said and done. Uh, Youngstown State, beneficiary of, of being undefeated and having a bye week. So that right there, especially uh, with some teams losing, just kind of bumped them up a little bit in my opinion. And so with number eleven, so we we're eleven through twenty. Yep. Sorry. So my eleven through twenty is Central Arkansas, Weber State, Jacksonville State making a big move up, Furman, Montana, Nichols, A&T, Southeastern Louisiana, and Stony Brook, and Maine. There we go. I've got Montana at number 11. They have been rising
0: quite quickly in my rankings. a uh, and A&T, at 12. Villanova, I've got them up from 21 to 13 this week. Uh, Central Arkansas at 14. UC Davis at 15. Northern Iowa at 16. Uh, Southeastern Missouri at 17. Delaware at 18. Youngstown State at 19. Eastern Washington, I've got them dropped from number 4 to number 20. Don't have them out of the rankings like some people have. I still think they're a good football team, but I've got them in at the number 20 spot.
1: Yeah, the, you, you have Eastern Washington in, in, in your rankings. I don't think I have them dropped out. Um, so from 21 to 25, I have Delaware, the Citadel, Elon, and two newcomers to the top 25 in my top 25, Dartmouth and Central Connecticut State, who nearly upset Eastern, Washington, Eastern oh, Michigan last that week. That was
0: a heartbreaker, absolute heartbreaker. If you didn't see it, folks, Central Connecticut State had the game won. Yep. They're up by a point with 10 seconds literally all they have to do is get off a punt punt gets blocked scoop and score touchdown Eastern Washington survives absolute heartbreaker. Cause no NEC team has actually beaten a
1: team from the FBS. And that's um, how coaches break things. That That's why.
0: <laughs> that's how the bill for the sporting director goes up. Yep. Um, my last five and my first five out, I've got um, Illinois state at 21. I got Furman at 22 Dartmouth 23 uh, Elon at 24, and Southeast Louisiana moves into my 25, top 25 now at number 25. My next five out, Wofford, good win this week. Uh, I have them at number 26. Citadel at 27 and rising very, very quickly. I wanted to make sure that upset was for real, and it looks like it is. Monmouth at 28, Indiana State at 29, Eastern Kentucky is at number 30. And what's interesting about this week, Emery, is that we had a rare week with the uh, the national FCS stats poll there were no changes in the top 25. No team dropped out. No team moved in for this week, which is really kind of rare. Yeah. there's at least one.
1: It's interesting. And what I find interesting is that the stats poll, no one believes in Stony Brook to put them in the top 25. And I yeah, they're sitting was... there at
0: right to number 27. They're all, yeah. all just sitting there.
1: And it's funny to see who's number 28 because I almost put them in my top 25 ahead of Central Connecticut State and that's South Carolina State because I do like the way... The Bulldogs are playing. They had a bye week this week. They won't play again, it seems like, until December. You know, <laughs> with three straight bye weeks. Uh, so we won't see South Carolina State play football. And if they don't come out in their next game and blow whoever they play out with three weeks of preparation, there's a problem. So See,
0: here's, here's the thing. If you had three weeks off, if I'm a football player, that first week off, I am eating everything. <laughs> Give me all the food. The next two weeks, I can prepare. Give me all the food that
1: first week off. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting to see the you know the poll play out the way it did. But you can't really complain with anything you know no, that not at all. is. I think is a, a really good. I thought stats the you know the voters did a really good job there. Um, you know, I may disagree with one or two, but it's not like oh my god, how could you have this? So it's it's a. I thought everybody did a great job who voted this week in the poll.
0: Yeah, it's, it's not like in years past where we've seen you know a team like you know Delaware who just because of where they started in the opening poll, don't move past anybody and miss the playoffs. I think that was three years ago we saw that. Um, it, it, uh, the, the, the voting has definitely gotten more serious. it's gotten more professional and that's obviously big thanks to Craig Haley and his team uh, for having that accountability for all of us actually. so that's a, a nice thing to have.
1: And I like how everybody is you know showing their work like we're showing our work. You know, yeah. and everybody else is, you know, showing their work as well, keeping everybody accountable for, you know, what you put out there. So that that right there, I think, everyone that's voting, keeping everyone accountable by showing their work and how they voted, just strengthens the stats poll, in my opinion.
0: 157 voters, because that's the number of first place votes we've got this week. So, uh, keeping just keep us accountable, folks. We we want to hear you, what you think as well. We want to hear your arguments. You might change your mind. You probably won't, but you might change your mind. <laughs> you never know. Uh, let's get into our next segment here, Emery. And now that we're at the quarter poll of the season, now we've got a pretty good read on what's coming up and uh, where we where we stand on a lot of teams. But it's time to do a little buying or selling. And we've got to start with Houston Baptist. We talked about them last week and how they've been off to a really, really good start in the Southland, kind of out of nowhere. But Houston Baptist this year has had an excellent excellent season. Um one of the surprises the Huskies now at 3 and 1 they got a 48-21 win over Northwestern State. They knocked off South Dakota away from home. They've just looked really good. They should have knocked off an FBS team. But are you buying or selling Houston
1: Baptist as a playoff team? Bro, I am buying all of the stock in Houston Baptist. <laughs> the fact that they started off the season the way they did against UTEP kind of put everybody on notice like hey this is okay they usually this was a game where that score would have been the combination of the the end score so it would yeah. have been you know a 75 to nothing game against UTEP but they were competitive had a chance to win that game in the end and then to follow that up by winning three straight convincingly yeah. so yeah. Houston Baptist seems to have turned the corner uh for their program and again we talked about this last week where you had a team like incarnate word you had uh, Abilene Christian Lamar getting to the playoffs along with the Incarnate Word. Maybe this is a year that we see Houston Baptist turn that corner. I think we've already seen them do so, at least from their offensive perspective. They're putting up points in bunches. They knock off a Missouri Valley Conference team. They win a conference game. Uh, they went on a roll against that you know Missouri Valley Conference team. They beat a team in Texas Wesleyan that was convincingly, normally that game would be nip and tuck, even though it's a, a NAIA game. So This is a serious contender in the Southland. I'm buying all the stock in Houston Baptist.
0: This is actually the first time in program history they've ever gotten three wins in a row. But look, I just want to quickly review their offensive stats because they kind of remind me of what Princeton was doing last year in terms of the national level. Number two in passing yards with 1425, 28th in rushing. That's the biggest thing. They're a balanced attack in the Southland, which usually doesn't happen. 48.3 points per game. That's second overall. 541.3 yards a game on offense. They've scored 24 touchdowns in four games. That's ridiculous. Now, the question, of course, for every Southland team, though, when they get to the playoffs, is the defense. It's not tremendous, but it really isn't good anywhere in the conference that you can really point to, except for maybe one or two teams. So that's what the test will be, is when they actually do get slowed down or stopped. But offensively, Houston Baptist, I'm buying. This is fantastic for them. Uh, great start for the Husky program. They are on top of the conference right now, tied with Central Arkansas well, at 1-0 in conference and 3-1 overall.
1: Well, what you have to understand is that winning like this and just winning in general is contagious. It's something that you can see guys start to gain that confidence. Like, hey, yeah, we can do this. So they now start to buy into what they are selling, you know, because everyone has the same kind of pep talk in the offseason. Oh, this is going to be our year. This is different. We're going to win. We're going to do this. And then it all kind of goes out the window once the season starts and you start to deal with a little bit of adversity. But shout-out to Houston Baptist players and coaches for actually buying what they were selling themselves in the spring, in the summer, and now during the regular season.
0: Let's move on to our second buy or sell here, Emery, and that is Georgetown. Not nationally, but once again, the Patriot League is a total crapshoot. It's up for grabs. Colgate is down. The defense is not anywhere close to where it was last year and the Georgetown Hoyas are two and one still looking for that first over 500 season in, I don't know how many years, I think probably before I was born two and one. Are you buying Georgetown
1: to win the Patriot league? It's a tough question, man, because right now everyone is zero and zero in the Patriot league. Yes. Uh, But overall Georgetown is two and one. And we know that one loss was a close one to a team uh, you know to to National Power Davidson you know what i'm saying like so yeah. you you have National Power Davidson you <laughs> so thought you, have, you were slipping that by me come on now. Davidson right now is 3 and 1 and have <laughs> only given up 58 points on the season i'm buying Davidson's defense but Georgetown because of how they play defense in special teams it's going to they can be Colgate this year you know as far as how yep. they can win games offensively again it's always if the passing game can get on schedule. I like some of the, the 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 ways they run the football. They have great talent. Don't get me wrong. Uh, they have great depth in the backfield. They got good receivers that can make plays. Josh Tomas is a game breaker. Um, Michael Darius is one of the best underrated receivers in the FCS and is a legit pro prospect. They have a pro prospect on the defensive line and Christian Tate. So they have the pieces here. Can Gunther Johnson get them over the hump? Not only nationally but in the Patriot League and I think this is a year they got a shot man because right now the challengers in the Patriot League seem to be holy cross I still believe in Kogi a little bit I think they can get it turned around in conference play Fordham can put points up on the board but I'm buying Georgetown right now I kind of like the way the Hoyas team is looking juxtaposed to the way the rest of the the league is looking so I'm buying the Hoyas in the Patriot League
0: I think it's going to be an interesting rest of the way because they've got next two weeks for Georgetown. They've got two Ivy League schools away. They've got Columbia away, which is going to be a really tough contest. They've been, much, they look very good in their first week. Then they've got Cornell who, again, you can't sleep on anyone in the Ivy, especially now that Brown is good. Uh, Cornell is trying to make sure that they're not the bottom team this year, but right now the Patriot League, I think is wide open. I think I love what I've seen from Holy Cross. They've got some really good offense. Colgate, as you said, I think they're going to get much better when they get inside the conference play. I think the defense is going to come back quite a bit. Um, I like what I've seen from Lafayette. They actually have a really good quarterback right now, a dual-threat kid who can really uh, who can really sling it and get out of the pocket, and Fordham. I think Fordham's a team that you can't take lightly, and that's actually Georgetown's uh, first in-conference game coming up on the 12th of October. Uh, so I don't think you can sleep on them either. So the Patriot League could be very interesting down the stretch, I'm not quite buying Georgetown winning the whole thing yet, but they're certainly in the conversation. Right Let's now go. they have
1: the best defense in the Patriot League. And they do have that. They have the best defense. And and this, they've always had a good defense. They, they never had Colgate-level defense, but they always were right there. And it they, they were usually losing games 16-9, 13-7. You know, yeah. So if the offense shows up in conference play, Georgetown is going to win that thing.
0: That's the thing. They're averaging 44 points per game, but two of those games is against a D3 school and not a very good one in Catholic University and Marist. Uh, so we'll see what happens when they get into the li- next two games against the Ivy League. That'll be interesting. Let's talk about some of the Payton Award frontrunners. Um, we've got four names here, whether you're going to be buying or selling them as a finalist. Cont- a finalist. Uh, you've got Ola Doken from Samford, who's had a tremendous year. Jake Meyer from UC Davis. Trey Lance from North Dakota State and James Robinson, the running back
1: from Illinois State. Who are you buying and selling among those four? Well, obviously the Peyton Award to me has become a quarterback award, just like the Heisman. Of course so it is. So I am gonna not I'm gonna sell James Robinson for now, but I will buy those three quarterbacks. And I think right now you have a better cha- a better chance of of buying two in Ola Doken. And Trey Lance, because Oladokun is putting up ridiculous numbers, Trey Lance is winning games and and is a true dual threat in doing so. Meyer had the off game, so I will put him third, but I'm buying all three quarterbacks because of the the nature of the award, how great they are talent wise, and how fantastic they are playing. Uh, but I'm selling the running back James Robinson. See, I, I
0: I I hate to agree with you because I think Robinson is. Not just not just should be a award finalist for the Walter Payton, but he's an NFL draft prospect. Um, but, yeah, it's become a popularity contest for the pretty boy quarterbacks. That's how it always works. It happens in the Heisman. It happens in high school. It's happening in the FCS. Um, if I'm going to pick one of the three that I'm buying in the most out of those three quarterbacks, though, I'm going with Doken. I mean, absolutely outstanding. And a guy who really, you know... You know, people had heard, you know obviously saw him play at USF. He has in tr- incredible talent, but nobody really saw him because all they were thinking is, how in the world do you replace Devlin Hodges? And he's done so brilliantly. He's been just perfect since he's he finally got the role halfway through game one, and he's just been tremendous since. He's got a sixty-five percent completion percentage. He's thrown for over a thousand yards, eleven touchdowns. Chris Oladokun, I mean, when was the last time you had back-to-back Walter Payton Award winners from the same school, different players?
1: Right. That's a possibility. It's definitely a possibility because he's... The numbers have been excellent and just the the level of play. Now, they're not winning the games, um, and we know how as this season goes on, you know, it's going to determine whether or not he stays in the race because if Meyer and Lance... And even Robinson are playing winning football, and you know this award isn't decided until the the championship game. You know that kind of could yeah. you know put them in the in the mix for okay maybe they become the front runners if Sanford doesn't make the playoffs.
0: I mean I I, w- I would go with Trey Lance because right now Jake Myers having a little problem keeping the ball out of the uh, the defense's hands. He's got five interceptions this year. Trey Lance, I mean yeah he's only thrown the ball seventy two times but he's nine touchdowns through the air, no interceptions. He's also rushed for six scores for 282. He's averaging 7.1 a carry. There, there are. By the way, I'm looking at the stats here. There are right now one, two, three, four, five, six, seven running backs for North Dakota State who are averaging over seven yards a carry Dang. at this point of the season. <laughs> yeah. So, but Trey Lance has been tremendous. But again, I, I, I don't. I hate to discount James Robinson, but that is how the award goes. It, it there, there should see there should be an award for the best running back in FCS.
1: You know what? Maybe we should do, like, the football game plan, FCS kickoff, you know... Uh, Positional awards? Right. We, you know what? Maybe we should do that.
0: I think we should, because... like uh, I mean, you being a former running back, you know how running backs never get any respect. You know the old linemen don't re- never get any respect. Nobody cares about the defensive players when it comes to these awards. They got their own. They got the puck Buchanan.
1: But you know what? I think we should. I think we should. You know Football what? We're we gonna awards. We're gonna we're gonna have our own FCS kickoff awards, and we're gonna try to get a partnership with the one of these local trophy places uh, here in in northern New Jersey, New York City, and and have a, a trophy for each position. Look at that.
0: Hey, we can send them out. We we can we can
1: deliver. It's fine. Yeah, we can deliver. Yeah, we can deliver that. Hey, that's not a problem. You know what? But that's that's a that's on the docket for today for the Zara playbook. That's on the docket. And you know what, folks?
0: You just heard that idea come about live. You're you're <laughs> welcome. Uh, let's get one more uh, buy or sell before we get into the week five preview, Emery. And that is North Dakota State. We have to go back to them again. Do they have any challengers left for them? To actually, you know, challenge them for a title because they've already knocked off North Dakota in a rivalry game. They've knocked off a top team in the CAA in Delaware. They've now knocked off a top five team in UC Davis. Is there any chance North Dakota State even loses a game this season?
1: You know, there's always a possibility. You, you know, you don't want to say if oh, the this bus is... breaks down. <laughs> <laughs> you always you, you you always find North Dakota State in the regular season slipping up. But if you're looking at potential upsets, Illinois State in two weeks is one. Um, Northern Iowa seems to play them tough. South Dakota State always is prime for an upset. Maybe you know November second against Youngstown State could be a great opportunity. Those games but, back to back away. That's yeah, a, a and so stretch. you know that's a that's a that's an interesting stretch right there. And but those are the teams that I think have a chance because uh, you have to be good number one to have a chance, and you have to have great defense. I do think Youngstown State qualifies. Illinois State seems to qualify. Northern Iowa seems to do a great job of scheming. Offensively, you have to be able to put points up on the board. That's where South Dakota State comes into play. So I think there's four teams that have a shot. But, man, it's – whew.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's not looking good for anyone to challenge. I'm, I'm going to throw this out there, though. Dark horse for the upset, Southern Illinois, because you ain't never can count out on the Salukis. You
1: might be high. You might be
0: high. <laughs> hey, just, they beat an FBS team. A terrible FBS team, but they beat an FBS team. So apparently that matters. And they took Arkansas State to a pretty good game, 41-28. I'm just saying, last game of the year before the playoffs start, North Dakota State might be looking past them a little bit. That's all That's all I'm saying. That, that's, that's literally the only reason I'm giving them any chance whatsoever. <laughs> um, so, uh, folks, let's get into the Week 5 preview now. Um, my Telling Trap, Unsung and Best Games of the week my telling games this week got north dakota taking on eastern washington now this is critical for both teams now because eastern washington is one in three they are falling out of people's top 25s they're falling behind right now in the big sky conference north dakota is still the only independent but they are having a really good year if north dakota knocks off eastern washington who's number 21 in the country that gives them two top 25 wins this season and the Fighting Hawks have done this before. Last year, they were in contention up until about week eight. So this is a critical game for them. I think they can actually do it. And the other one I'm looking forward to is Albany against William & Mary. Ooh. Both teams are sleep. Uh, we, they've been asleep for about two or three years now in the CAA, which is really, really strong. But both teams are having really good years. Albany scoring points. When was the last time Albany put up big numbers on offense? I, don't, I can't remember it. And William and & Mary... Has come with the coaching change this year, a total change of philosophy. They've looked outstanding with the athletes on their side
1: of the ball. And if you want to get a good understanding of the coaching change and how outstanding they've Fair been on enough. offense, <laughs> footballgameplan.com/go-go-offense. <laughs> Check out the book. Offensive coordinator Brennan Marion of William and Mary takes his go-go offense and breaks it down piece by piece: formations, uh, plays, you know, philosophy. It's all in there. It's been doing a great job of selling, and you can get your copy at footballgameplan.com go go offense.
0: From Lazar, the cheap plug, Emery Hunt. Uh, so let's talk about my two trap games for the week. My number one trap game is, is a one that's, you know, I think it would jump out to people. Northern Arizona taking on Montana State. We have a healthy case cookus at Northern Arizona. That means they can beat anybody. So Montana State, I think, could be looking at an upset here now that they're in the top 10. The other one youngstown state hosting robert morris on paper this game is going to be a blowout but robert morris quietly has taken every team they've played to the brink this season every single one of them that could be the one place where youngstown state might be thinking we don't have to worry about this game let's focus on the conference schedule and robert morris comes up and kicks them in the mouth
1: well robert morris knocked off Dayton last weekend in a game that I thought Dayton had a chance just to you know go out there and win because of how well they've played and who they've beaten, and I thought they kind of overlooked Robert Morris. It was a battle of two great tight ends. You know they had the great tight end out there uh, at Robert Morris, NFL prospect, uh, and Gonzalez and Troutman for um, uh, Dayton. Two great tight ends uh, that are going to be playing on Sunday next year. So you, I, I like that game as one that's. A trap game. I would also throw out one just for for, uh, variety uh, because the Ivy League's league play starts next week. Right now, Dartmouth versus Colgate could be a potential Mm. trap game. You know, let's see if Colgate's defense gets off the mat and shows up against the Big Green.
0: That's going to be very interesting to watch for sure. Um, Let's move on to my unsung game of the week. And I've got uh, several of them here. Citadel taking on Sanford. Number 25, Citadel. Back-to-back weeks. They got the win, obviously, against Georgia Tech. And they uh, beat their rivals, a the team also known as somewhere in the vicinity of Charleston Southern. Uh, apparently, it's how you're supposed to refer to it if you go to the Citadel. But they've got Sanford this week. Again, if all the going to have his coming out party and Sanford's going to be a contender in, the, in the, a very tough SoCon, this is a must-win game for them. But it's going to be a really good one. Georgetown-Columbia. Ter- terrific game matchup here. Columbia looked really good in week one. They've been obviously much better over the last two years. This will be an interesting one to watch for in terms of Georgetown's uh, prevalence. Jacksonville State, number 11, at Austin Peay. I almost put this as a trap game, but Austin Peay is actually pretty good this season. They're on my watch list. And the last one, number 13, Maine, taking on number 8, Villanova. Huge game again to the CAA.
1: Yeah, that's that's a big game, man. Um Those are those are some some unsung games. I would probably toss out Portland State and Idaho State too.
0: Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one as well. That'll be one we'll uh, preview here in just a second. My best games of the week, obviously you got to look at Montana taking on UC Davis. I'm a little surprised honestly of how much disrespect Montana's getting in the polls. They're only at number 18. Montana's looked really good. I'm not sure why in the world they're not getting the respect that they deserve. And the other one for me, this is a really intriguing one: Northern Iowa at Weber State. Weber State, again, Weber State is that quiet kid in the corner of the locker room who goes out and catches like 15 balls for 175 yards and it doesn't say a word. They they are so quiet, they're so understated, but they're really really good. Number five, um, and Northern Iowa creeping into number nine. They're going back to the top of the Missouri Valley. That could be a really good ballgame as well.
1: Yeah, I think for, let's say for Montana's sake, I think a lot of the, the pollsters are overcorrecting for last year. I think, you know, a lot of people were high on Montana last year, got burned. Mm. Um, so they're kind of taking a wait and see approach, see if this thing plays out completely. Uh, maybe that explains a little bit of, of why you see them a little bit hesitant to push them up the polls.
0: Well, let's get into the, our week five preview. We got to start with the. FCS stats game of the week, uh, as presented by Craig Haley and the Stats Crew. I mean, it's hard to you know argue with this one, although we we tried to privately with him. Uh, Elon hosting number two JMU. Obviously, you have another former coach taking on his former team. Um, JMU is really their first big test uh, from their number two ranking.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be a great game, man. You know, we previewed this game fully on the FCS kickoff, so that's all I'll say about this game.
0: Let's move on to the another game in the Ivy, an early Ivy League contest, Brown at Harvard. Now we thought Harvard might be coming up and you know maybe being more competitive this year in the Ivy, but after week one, this is a telling game for me both because Brown is scoring points. They actually looked really good in their first game. I want to see what they can do now against a, a prolific powerhouse in Harvard.
1: Yeah, Harvard's defense better show up, man, because it didn't show up against San Diego. And it seems as though, albeit you know, a unique situation where Coach Perry understood the personnel at Bryant, maybe that explained a lot of what we saw offensively for Brown. However, you have to like that they were putting up points. And if that continues, along with what we saw last week from Harvard's defense, could be a problem.
0: Let's move on to another telling game for me, and this is in the SOCON. All right, who's for real? Wafford or VMI? It's amazing we're even having this conversation. Wafford one and two. Out of the top 25, after starting in the top 10 at the beginning of the year, taking on the key debts of VMI, who are 2-2, two and two, looking much, much better this season. We talked about them on the last podcast. You can listen to that on SoundCloud and iTunes if you want to. This is an interesting ball game, and it, this could decide
1: who's for real and who could be a playoff contender here. And yeah, I made a mistake earlier with the Robert Morris-Dayton game, but that's this week's game, I believe. Robert Morris last week pulled off the upset against VMI and I was kind of shocked because I thought VMI (laughs) was going to go in there and take care of business like they did against East Tennessee State. So maybe they were reading the press clippings just a little bit, uh, but shout-out to Robert Morris. So, yeah, you're right. This is a game about who's for real. Uh, We already saw VMI get one SOCON victory against East Tennessee State. They have a chance to take advantage of a Wofford team that's still trying to find its footing. That's going to be a fantastic game. Who thought Lawford could be one
0: in three after the first five weeks? That could that could be a real shocker. Interesting interconference game coming up next: Duquesne taking on UNH. Obviously, we know about the coaching situation at UNH and the unfortunate circumstances there, but they're actually looking decent this season. New Hampshire actually looking pretty good, but Duquesne they're looking to
1: become stay as the power in their division. How do you see this game playing out? Yeah, and Duquesne got off the mat last week and knocked off Dayton in an impressive win. Uh, up there in Ohio. So can they carry that momentum into northern uh, New Hampshire? Because here's the thing, too. They're going to have to stockpile great out-of-conference wins. I think Dayton will be looked upon as a great out-of-conference win. They lost significantly to Youngstown State. They have New Hampshire uh, before they jump into conference play. So if they can get a win here, that'll be huge for them down the stretch because they got that Division II game against Walsh that they won earlier in the season. So they have to win this game. So that way they can look at, you can look at their out-of-conference schedule favorably. Okay, they went 2-1 and one against D1 teams, and they did what they had to do in conference play. So this is a big game, in my opinion, for Duquesne.
0: Another game back in the SOCON, and we want to keep harping on this, that this is probably the most underrated conference in 2019 for the FCS. Western Carolina taking on Chattanooga. We thought the Mocs would be a lot better than this, 1-3 and through the first four weeks.
1: Yeah, and here's the thing, too. Western Carolina, you know, they got a good win last week against North Greenville Division II program. But you want to see, you know, how well this this Catamounts team gets going in Division I play. They had an ugly loss in week one against Mercer. So this is a big game. You know, they are sitting there at 0 1 in conference. Chattanooga, this is their first conference game. So, you know, they're going to be up for it. So I, I'm excited to see how this one plays out, man. I'm a big Tyree Adams fan for Western Carolina. He was another guy that I thought coming into the season could have been a dark horse. Peyton Award candidate. Now he still has time to get rolling in and put together a lot of big games. But we'll see, man, because I think when you look at, um, you know, this offense, you know, obviously Will Jones uh, was the guy last week for uh, Western Carolina. So, you know, this team is dealing with some some concerns. Let's see if they can get it going uh, moving forward.
0: A critical game to start the MEAC conference schedule. We had one game last week, but now it gets started in earnest. Florida A&M taking on Norfolk State. And Florida A&M off to a good start, 2-1. and one. Looks like they're going to try to uh, rebound after their collapse at the end of last season. But Norfolk State, the Spartans, not a team that you want to take lightly.
1: Yeah, you can't take this team lightly. This is going to be a very good football game, back and forth affair. And if FAMU can get past Norfolk State next, the following week they have Central, and then they go to South Carolina State, who have would have had three weeks to prepare for this rattler offense. So not overlooking North Carolina Central, but they don't look like they're ready to compete this year. But this is a big game for FAMU, big game for Norfolk State as well, because I thought this is a of the type of fly and ointment team, and this is a strength versus strength versus strength battle. FAMU's offense, Nigel Chavis. Uh, Bobby Price on defense for Norfolk State. Great matchup offense versus defense.
0: Yeah, we'll certainly be mentioning uh, FAMU the next four weeks. As you mentioned, they got the trap game potentially against NC Central next week if they get past Norfolk State, South Carolina State, and then a back-to-back weeks. So not going to be easy for the Rattlers if they want to get back to the position they were in last year uh, and trying to compete for a conference title. Let's move out west of the big sky. Idaho State taking on Portland State. Now these are two teams that have been, again, surprisingly good this year. Portland State 2-2, two and two. Idaho State 1-2 so far. I thought the Bengals would be a little better. But the Portland State Vikings, they took Arkansas to the brink in Week 1. Uh, they've got two wins, though. Their two wins are against uh, Simon Fraser and Eastern Oregon. So this is really their first – this is their first FCS game of the year in Week 5 uh, for Portland State. So we'll see how good they really are. Uh, but Idaho State, again – this is a team I thought was
1: going to be a little bit better. This might be a chance to really stomp their dominance. Well, both teams are starting. Big Sky played this week and much needed because, again, Portland State played Arkansas, and they stumbled upon, you know, 22nd-ranked Boise State, who has looked phenomenal in FBS. So, yeah, we finally get to understand what Portland State is. Charlie Tamapu, uh, the tight end, outstanding NFL prospect. This, I mean, FCS got so many tight end prospects this year. Yeah, Uh, It's ridiculous. So, yeah, we'll learn a lot about Portland State as well as Idaho State in this game. And uh,
0: we'll certainly find out about Idaho State as well because, obviously, they beat Western Colorado. Then they lost to Utah. But last week, they took Northern Iowa to the brink. They only lost uh, 13-6. So, defensively, this Bengal team is strong. Now can they get the offense clicking? Let's move on to a game in the Northeast again. Colgate 0-4. They got beat again last week. They take on now Dartmouth.
1: Is Dartmouth going to have to show Colgate what defense looks like again, and maybe that'll wake them up? I have full confidence in the coaching in this ballgame. I I love both coaches. Dan Hunt for Colgate, phenomenal coach. I'm pretty sure he'll get it turned around. And Buddy Tevens for Dartmouth, outstanding coach, has done a great job at his alma mater uh, since he arrived there. And this is going to be a a great game coaching-wise. You just want to see if Colgate offensively can get off the mat and be an asset to what the defense can potentially be. Cause right now I think their offense isn't doing a great job of controlling the ball and finishing drives and playing great situationally. So if that can happen, maybe we'll start to see better defense because they'll be playing complimentary football. If if the defense, the biggest thing
0: for Colgate is their defense is going to have to get Dartmouth's offense off the field. Cause Dartmouth runs a very similar style, uh, ball control, time control. And then they just wear you down. They held up some really nice numbers in their first game last week. Uh, that's why I've got them ranked in my top 25. Last game we're going to talk about here before we talk about where we're going to be for Week 5, Abilene Christian at Incarnate Word. It's another telling game in the Southland. Abilene Christian, we talked about them maybe being a fly in the open, maybe a dark horse playoff team. They're 2-2. Two and two. Incarnate Word, after their incredible year last year, they're 1-2 and
1: to start of the season. What are you looking for in this game from both sides? Well, speed. I love the speed here, and you want to see if the defense for Incarnate Word shows up. They laid an egg last week, man. Yeah, and and you know, just when I thought their offense was going to be able to to you know push the the pace and keep their foot on the gas, their defense decided to not show up. Abilene Christian is one of those teams that is always going to be competitive. They're right there in the middle of the pack, and they want to try to push themselves up forward to the top of these these uh, rankings and these, these you know standings. So this is a great game for them to do that. And and they've had a,
0: a quietly and very nice year. They took they put up thirty one on North Texas, lost fifty one thirty one there. Um, they only lost by a point to Central Arkansas, who's having a great season. And then they beat McNeese last week, 17-10. to So, Evelyn Christian, all of a sudden, again, th- this is what happened in the Southland last year. What, were there five teams tied with the same record at the end of all of it? I think all they got were like six teams and six and five in the Southland Conference. It's very, very even in the middle of that pack. The question is, who emerges at the top of that pack? Emory, where are you going to be this week?
1: This week, I'll be at... Howard and Bethune-Cookman doing some scouting there. But I will be on the broadcast this week in the ESPN3 broadcast for Morgan State in North Carolina Central, uh, down there in Baltimore at 6 p.m. Eastern time. So you can watch it on ESPN3. Excited to do that ball game. That one will be the ESPN3 game of the week in the MEAC. So I think it's going to be on TV as well. So uh, be sure to check that out. Can't wait to get down there and call that game. Morgan State new head coach Tyrone Wheatley um and a team in morgan state that you really can't figure out they no. gave they were giving army fits last week <laughs> you know so uh, i'm excited to see how this this new offense looks under tyrone wheatley who's one of my favorite running backs growing up to watch at michigan um and also you know in the nfl with the giants and raiders so excited to see what they're they're about this year uh and, and i'll be on that broadcast but also looking forward to seeing bethune cookman's defense um and also howard and their new offense with their new head coach in Ryan and Ryan Princeton, you know they've been playing without Jaquez Ezzard, which is a huge part of their offense. But they have a really good receiver in Kyle Anthony.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. It's going to be an interesting ball game to watch. And Morgan State, that was the that was the team last year. We were like, wait, Morgan State just beat who? Wait, how did that happen? <laughs> that, that seemed <laughs> to be the 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 theme of last year's Morgan State team. Uh, before we sign off here, folks, I, I want to end with something a little bit a little bit wholesome, a little a little bit uh, family friendly. I. I I'm sure most of you have seen by now the uh, video on social media of the man in Philadelphia uh, who at the scene of a fire said we were catching babies being thrown out the window, unlike Aguilar, referring to Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver Nelson Aguilar. Um, Well, this is here's the thing. This is why this is where professional athletes are role models. Nelson Aguilar yesterday evening actually reached out on Twitter saying this. Thank you for being a hero in the community. Would like to invite you and your family to the next home game. Twitter, help me out and get me in touch with him. Pure class from Nelson Aguilar. And actually recognizing a real-life hero, uh, saving those people who were having, in the middle of a house fire there. So uh, really classy from Nelson Aguilar, for sure. And uh, mm-hmm. hopefully he can catch a few more passes so he doesn't get criticized again.
1: Well, <laughs> but it also goes to show you on the flip side how how – vile people can be you know what I'm saying like you, you <laughs> a look at, pe- a little petty a little yeah, pe- I wouldn't you, say vile I'd say petty well you think about a guy in Aguilar who dealt with depression issues as a rookie when people blamed everything going wrong in Philadelphia uh, for him he comes back the following year has a great sophomore season along with Carson Wentz um in the way the Eagles went to the Super Bowl that year and everybody in Philly loved them. Now they're back to playing inconsistent. He have a, he has a drop here, a drop there. Uh, you know, last year he played well. Then uh, you know this this season he has he has a drop. He said he lost that ball against the Falcons in the lights, which is completely understandable when some of these stadiums are not built the same way. So you may look up, and if it catches you at the right time, you're legit blinded by a bright light right in your face. And people are they they are so scared to blame Carson Wentz for any. You know, issue that's going on. So they blame they overblame everybody else. And Aguilar seems to have been you know the the guy that that teams that uh, you know the fan base loves to to you know uh, harp on and point to as a problem. and especially when you know a dude dealt with depression because of that reason yeah. as a rookie to continue to pile on him. in that moment in that moment, you decided it's more important to get that that shade out there. <laughs> <laughs> While talking about saving lives and in the fire, like you, you really took the time to take a shot at the dude. I was like, man, that that was that was super uncalled for. But credit Aguilar for you know inviting him to a game, uh, and uh, you know seeing if he'll he'll accept it and getting him to a, an Eagles game again. Like you said, rewarding the the work he did because that's the bigger story. But I just hate how people just really like, yo, it's a football game. You don't have to go at these players yeah. like that, man. They're human beings first.
0: I, I, I do I, I think that shows how much he's grown though, and how he's gotten out himself out of that uh, that hole that is uh, depression, and it's a serious issue for so many people, especially athletes, that's just now finally coming forward. Uh, but i'll'll I'll, I'll give you both sides of the the Twitter comment section here. You have uh, the top uh, comment under this. This proves no matter how spicy you think your comeback is. Nothing beats being a good sport and taking it all in stride. This is how you rise above up and inspire people much respect, sir. On the other side of the coin, Shout out to Aguilar inviting this man to watch his drop passes in person. <laughs> so it's it's just that's that's just how it goes here, folks. But again, very classy uh, from Nelson Aguilar. That that tweet, by the way, has two hundred twenty-two thousand likes uh, and forty thousand retweets. So hopefully, they can actually you know get together and uh, meet man to man and yeah, you know, you just you know have that sort of thing and have that connection, which is really really cool. That's what you get from sports that you really don't get uh, anywhere else. Folks, that'll do it for the FCS Opening Drive Week 5 Preview Podcast here. Again, if you want to listen back on any of the previous week, going all the way back to the previews, because at this point you can go back to the preview podcast and say, well, they were wrong there really big. Uh, You can find those on SoundCloud and iTunes. Search Football Game Plan in the podcast section. Again, you can check out the FCS Whip Round with our 13 correspondents covering all 13 FCS conferences. You can find that on YouTube, youtube.com slash Plan. Just search for those videos there. And, of course, if you are on TV in the metro area, we've got the FCS kickoff show. It's it's on uh, FootballGamePlan.com, And on the Game Plus Network, we've got the Football Game Plan College Football Tailgate show where we cover all the divisions from FBS all the way down to NAIA football. So you can get all of your knowledge there. Emery, any last plugs you want to fit in here before, uh, before we sign off?
1: No, just make sure you subscribe to, again, the YouTube channel, iTunes. Leave us a five-star rating. Follow Craig Haley on Twitter, at Craig Haley. Follow stats, FCS stats, FCS underscore stats. Um, keep it locked for our FCS whip around that will come out at the end of the week as our correspondents get you all of your uh, you know news, notes, and tidbits and set the table for what should be a great week five in college football.
0: It certainly will be. Folks, enjoy the games. Get out to your local FCS school and enjoy the matchups. I saw great crowds at both Stony Brook and LIU. It doesn't matter where you are across the country. Get out. Support your local school. Support your alma mater. Support the school where you go. If you're a student, you have no excuse. You can at least take a couple hours out of your day and go support your fellow student-athletes. Again, for the Star of the Paybook, Emery Hunt, i am been David Hassagen. Thanks for listening in. We'll see you next week.